This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Melvin Law Studio in the piney woods of north central Florida here at God's Country. I don't know about that. We're going to be looking at Ted Yoho sitting on a porch in his mountain home in Georgia. That might even be better. There he is. So here we are. Good morning, Matt Cannon. Um, we are, of course, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Get your ears set out at Style Cuts. My good buddy down there, David Ratliff, and his crew do a good job with your hair. If you got some left. I don't mean to take a dig at <laughs> myself, but that's the way it is. And, of course, Ted's got his hat on. We can't comment on that. There we go. He can stand a haircut, though. Yeah, he, I could. he gets back, he may go to style cuts. Anyway, Julia uh, Casio is our latest add to our uh, uh, addition to our sponsors. We appreciate her. And, uh, of course, you can listen anytime to us on about 37 different platforms, 24-7, And uh, we, sir, uh, hope you get a lot out of our conversations. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the weather at the bottom of the hour which has uh, got a full-blown kind of starting up hurricane out there. We predicted it called Brett, and we don't know what they do once they become the thing they are. So uh, keep your keep your uh, uh, wits about you and follow the uh, alerts as best you can. The um, amazing thing here that happened locally that I was telling Ted before we went on was that the Interstate 75 just north of 39th Avenue here was shut down for 12 hours, unprecedented both ways. You don't, you don't, you can't imagine uh, what kind of chaos that cause that causes. If we ever had a real kind of problem, be it all subject to your imagination from hurricanes on out, uh, we couldn't move people. Uh, we just can't do it. Uh, traffic jams, uh, accidents cropping up, people uh, fender bending, with the with the better of it, a chemical spill which is another strange thing that's going on under our noses. You don't really know what's moving up and down these highways these days, that it can be more threatening than just in a wreck. So I just want to report that, that the interstate is back and running. It came up last night at 10, 12 p.m., and it went down about 5 a.m. the day before. So it was actually more than 12 hours. Um, no place for a pit stop. My buddy Ken Hillier says he was up in Atlanta watching uh, yeah, I don't know how you handle that, but that's the way it goes. It's uh, awful to be caught in that sort of thing. Well, we got Ted Yoho with us today. As always, he's as regular as back the sun sundown. Uh, we can see the wonderful uh, background he's got here. But we've got a lot on our minds. We were talking about it before we came on the air. And I'm going to give a little story here. I really am older than Ted, therefore, of course, wiser. All that good jazz. Huh? No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but... Uh, in 1961, 62, along in there, I was working my way 
through a community college in Orlando and working at the Martin Marietta Missile Factory. And uh, I was the assistant to the executive chef. I thought originally that, well, I'll take a hiatus from school and I'll go down there and see if I can get a job at Martin. It was the creme de creme jobs. I never will forget the counselor, the silver-haired gentleman who called me into his office in human resources after I took the test and said, Ward, we've got your scores here. You, We could put you anywhere in this factory we wanted to put you. But I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that because you won't go back to school. But what I am going to do, I'm going to put you in food service. And I'm going to assign you to the executive chef. Well, I didn't know anything about chefs. But well, I learned very quickly that they are the most demanding, most pressure-packed guys you can possibly work for. We fed, get this now, 10,000 people a day at Martin Marietta. But the executive chef fed the Warner Von Braun's, the vice presidents, uh, and you know, all the luminaries that came, and we had to have security clearances. Because guess why? We handle the food. Oh, yeah. We could do you in, my friend. You sure could. We had to have real thorough background checks. And then I was realizing why I was assigned there. Because Carmen was his name. He was from Italy. He could write menus in four or five different languages and make you want to eat the paper they're written on. They were written so well. <laughs> and he could cut a carrot quicker, more quickly than anyone I'd ever seen. He could do it. Very demanding. You had to anticipate his needs. And right in the middle of this tour duty I had came the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, wow. Let me tell you, my friends, all the guys there in that administrative positions, Ted, were World War II vets. They were nervous as hell. I remember our supervisor pacing back and forth in the kitchen, saying to us, boys, this is it. The world went on nuclear alert. Nuclear alert, which I guess meant we were a creme de creme target at the Martin Marietta Missile Factory. But we learned later that Castro had wanted to fire missiles into Florida. Right. Well, Ted, I've never forgotten that. And then let me fast forward to a couple other places with you. And I'm going to put this together for Cuba and let Ted take over Cuba now. Along came a moment where we learned that Khrushchev, who had said he would bury us, had placed missiles in Cuba. Cuba, as Kennedy called it. Right. A buddy of mine, let me fast forward for you when I was a professor at Santa Fe. The professor in the office next to me had flown air cover for the Bay of Pigs. 
He couldn't stand Kennedy. I'm not going to mention his name, but he was a brilliant man. Later was in the Pentagon and communicated directly with Lyndon Johnson when Johnson was a president in Vietnam War. And this is the way my buddy told the story. He said, Ward, we got orders to scramble out of Eglin and boogie down to Cuba. We took off. We got down to about Daytona Beach, kicked on our afterburners, put our hats on backwards, pinned down our ears, and we got down to about Miami, and the railroad, uh, the uh, the uh, radio crackled, and the voice said, "Kennedy says it's off." Wow. Well, we cut back the afterburners. Pull the highway patrol, turn around up there out, out the Gulf, and moseyed back up toward Jacksonville, jittery. We got back up to about maybe St. Augustine. Radio crackle. Kennedy says it's on. We swung around out there over the Atlantic, got ready to boogie on down, kicked on our afterburners. Turned the hats on backwards, pinned the ears down. We got down to Miami. Radio crackled. Kennedy says it's off. Ward, this is the moment the country went wrong. We in the military couldn't stand it. Right. I mean, come on. Are you on the pot or off the pot? Right. And are you going to protect the Monroe Doctrine or not? Apparently not. And you're going to take care of our hemisphere? Now, the reason I tell this story is because, as I said, I'm not wiser, but I'm a little older than Ted. And I was, I think, 19 at that time, maybe, Ted. You are maybe. a lot older. I was six. <laughs> Ted was six. He was knee-high to a grasshopper, as we say. Yeah. And uh, these experiences have stuck with me, Ted. Um, and now what we were talking about before we went on the air was we're worse off now. What, what you were telling me, let's tell it and share it with the audience here. No, I think, uh, you know, I remember that. I remember I lived in Minnesota. I was a little kid, and I remember my parents and the neighbors all huddled together thinking there was going to be a nuclear war. And we were right at, I mean, as close as we've ever been, um, except for the tough negotiation that Kennedy and his staff did. And um, Khrushchev, uh, as you pointed out, Q, um, uh, Castro wanted to go ahead and, and bomb everybody. And Khrushchev was the kind of the, the adult in the room down there. And he says, no, we're not going to do this because he knew the destructive nature of that. And um, the thing back then is when I looked at my when I look at that vision of um, being a little kid looking at my parents, you know, there was fear from a foreign government and people were building, you know, the bomb shelters and all that. Today, that fear is coming from our own government. So that's point number one. Point number two. Two is that was a test of our foreign policy, and it was uh, peace through strength. We showed that. We have gotten away from that. And as I talked to you earlier, uh, when I was on the Foreign Affairs Committee, we had John Kerry, and, and we were talking about the Monroe Doctrine. He says that thing is outdated, and we can't enforce that, and should never have been there. And the whole idea of the Monroe Doctrine, obviously, under President Monroe, um, is that um, no 
foreign nation influence in the Western Hemisphere, mainly from the European powers. That was their concern. And so it was a good doctrine, and it had standed, it had stood the test of time up until the Cuban Missile Crisis. And uh, uh, Kennedy and the United States pushed, pushed them out of there. They took the nukes out of there. Uh, and there were nukes in there. And I think the report was like 30 of them, maybe. And uh, it would have been, it would have destroyed America. And so since that time, since the 60s, we, if you look at the leaders we've had, Reagan and Bush were strong ones as far as the military and things like that. And, I, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, the military industrial complex, which I think George H.W. Bush was a big proponent of it as his son and Cheney were. Uh, and I think that's a big problem with what we have going on in the world today and in, in our economy. But there was a stance that America walked softly, carried a big stick. And then there was peace through strength, as Ronald Reagan said. We don't have that anymore. And you, you look at this stalemate that we're having or de-escalating um, um, policies or relationships with uh, China. It has been going down, and they've been going down, um, I think, for the last probably 40 years. China's been getting basically what they wanted, you know. They got into WTO. They got trade secrets from us. They got missile technology space technology, you know, all the things that a country wants to um, propel themselves into the future and have a great economy, which we, sub, you know, we, we supported that. But now China is at a point where, again, you, you have to understand what their goal is in order to deal with them. And their goal is to be the number one economy and military in the world. And, you know, you can back that up by looking at their actions. They're building the largest naval fleet in the world. They've got advanced hypersonic weapons that we don't have. They have a space program that's armed. Um, you know, the list just goes on. When you look at their armament, their rockets and missiles, ICBMs, their nuclear weapons, they're uh, predicted to have another three to 500 nuclear weapons by 2030, I think it is. And the whole idea is, why are you building up a, a military like that? Who's threatening China? Uh, we're not threatening China. We're trying to keep that peace that's been the peace dividend since World War II and keep that world order. China doesn't like it. Russia and Iran don't like it. Cuba definitely doesn't like it. And the scary thing is that now China is in Cuba. They've been in Cuba. But what they're doing is they're building the spy facilities that can spy on the southeastern United States. And uh, they're building military training facilities. Now, you only build military training facilities is to train your warfighters to be ready for an attack. Um, we're not looking to attack Cuba. We're not looking to attack anybody from a foreign policy standpoint. <clears throat> but yet, China is marching around the world. They've got bases in Djibouti, Africa. They've got um, both sides of the Panama Canal. Thank you, Jimmy Carter, who has given up the uh, Panama Canal back to Panama, who has Panama has then leased it out on both ends to China and uh, talking to some congressional members, they said there's more Chinese down there than, um, uh, than the Panamanians. You know, every place you look, there's Chinese restaurants and all that. And that's typical what China does. China's marched around the world in Africa and they're doing it in Central America and South America uh, with spy facilities in Argentina and Chile. And then you look at uh, the Dominican Republic, you look at Bahamas. So they have marched around the world 
and they are um, militarizing these things. Uh, and that's not even to mention the South China Sea, where they've heavily militarized that and destroyed four or 5,000 acres of coral reefs and um, put these military bases on there with military weapons. And so the question arises, how did we allow this to happen? And it's because we've taken our eye off the ball of what the, the, the role of the national government is. Number one task of the national government is national security. That's their number one function. And then you can get into, you know, the uh, common welfare clause and how it's been stretched and pulled and abused and bastardized by Congresses over the years to cover everything from when you're born to when you die and that the federal government's supposed to do. And the Democrats keep put, putting more and more into that, you know, because they want to control every aspect of your life from birth to death. And um, if they could control it, they would control your life after death, too. Um, but we should really focus on the very important needs of what a country needs for sovereignty. And it's secure borders. It's your debt needs to be under control, manageable. And then you have to have a military that is ready to be used. And hopefully you never have to use it. And then the research and development going into the next thing as far as um, a deterrence, you know, whether it's laser focused um, uh, uh, weapons that can knock, an, knock something out with a laser or if it's cyber uh, attacks, things like that. That's what we should be focused on. But again, if you look at the, and I, I blame it on the Obama or Clinton, Obama and Biden administration, this whole move in the social politics, you know, equity, transgenderism, you know, and it goes, I, I put the, the crux of this the transition on Obama and the people that got Obama in there. And it was the fundamental transformation of America. And this is what it is. This is what you get when you try to change over 200 years what America stood for and the progress we were making and then say, oh, you know, it was wrong. We're going to fundamentally transform America. And this is what you get. You get a weakened America and you get China in your backyard, 90 miles off uh, the coast of Florida. And uh, this is a wake up call. Yet I've got members of Congress. They're arguing or they're having hearings on UFOs. They're having the hearings on transgenderism and they're having hearings. And it's not that those aren't important, but are they, if you, if you were to triage the 10 most important things in the United States of America, where are they? They're probably down here below 20. And so I think it's, and this is the sad thing is members of Congress, there needs to be the leadership says, all right, everybody, all hands on deck. We need to do something here. And what they should be focusing on is election laws, um, um, getting strong conservatives that aren't the rhinos that are willing to put action. They got to be willing to put the action behind their rhetoric. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, we fired six, 86,000 IRS agents or we, uh, we're going to hold Mayorkas accountable and secure the border. One thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. And that's where we need people of backbones of steel that say, we're going we're gonna to do these things. And sometimes when you have somebody that wants to stand up and say, we're going to do these things, they get shot down by their own party because they really don't want to do it. So we're, we're in a, a situation we've not seen before since the 60s. And this is just the beginning of it. And an interesting thing that I'll shut up after this is Huawei and ZTE 
you know how Trump uh, put a highlight on those and said they will not be integrated in any telecommunications, not just in this country, but any country we share intelligence. And um, that was in 20, probably 18, 2019 that he did that. The interesting thing is in 2012, the Senate Foreign or Senate Intelligence Committee did hearings and they said Huawei and ZTE were national security in, uh, uh, of concerns because of their spying capabilities. That was 2012. It took Trump till 2018, 2019 to say we're not going to incorporate them or allow them to be incorporated in our country or any other country that um, we share intelligence with. Yet here they, they're still here and now they're in Cuba. Um, and that's the stuff Congress should focus on because those are the things that are national security, which is the number one, uh, again, task of the federal government. And I'll say over to you. Well, no, I think that's excellent. I was uh, um, all, all ears on that because you have got the inside baseball scoop on that and, and stay frustrated as everybody is who wants to kind of have some common sense in Congress. Um, which I don't think we've got anywhere around right now. We're so distracted with, with um, personalities, I guess, is yeah. one way to sum it up. It's well, they want it's operating bites. at the personality level, huh? They want sound bites. Yeah. Look how tough I am. Chip Roy's a great one. He'll get out there and rail and throw his fists around. But when it comes time to vote, where is he? You know, uh, he supported McCarthy. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's a sad day. Tony, Ted, yo, I'm looking at the chat uh, line here. If you have something you want to have us pass along and ask, I can do that. Tim Martin's watching. Uh, good morning, Tim. Tim is the Alachua County Republican Party chair and subs for me every once in a while very, very well and uh, probably better than I do, which is not all that good. A high bar to meet, is it, Ted? I mean, come on. <laughs> you got yourself short there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Ted is sitting in uh, – uh, back porch in the mountains in Georgia, in case, and he had a bird. I think it was maybe if he'd lit on your shoulder, I'd really. Oh, did it? <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. But Peter, right him. there, I heard him back there. Yeah, oh, he's up, up, up in the in the box there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, we can see that. So um, it's fun. Um, you know, it, it's so frustrating because there's a lot of maneuvering, and as you know, of course. We have Obama coming out now and slamming Tim Scott. Right. And I thought Tim Scott's reply was pretty good. Well, if I weren't being slammed by Obama, I, there must be I must be doing something good. Right. And uh, what he's doing is he's offering a contrast, as we know, for the black folk to emulate rather than uh, follow Obama down the dusty trail of government handouts and. Uh, Tim Scott hasn't backed down. He even went on The View with that crazy group of ladies and uh, tried to reason with them, which you can't do, of course. Uh, that's not what that show is about. And um, But he never, nevertheless, he stood his ground. Uh, yeah. I don't think he has any calculus in the race, but he's certainly an important person to be in the race because he is saying something that only somebody like him can say. Right. Um, white guy couldn't say it, you know. Um, the liberal blacks are not going to say it. So we've got Tim Scott. No, no, that I know of family member, but we might be. I mean, he's from South Carolina. I'm from <laughs> South Carolina. So, uh, and my father was from Virginia. So 
Is uh, that I'm right? sure if we went back Maybe. and looked around in there, Ted, we'd find something. He's got uh, a little more hair than you. Yeah, he's got more hair. And he's younger. I'm starting to pay attention to those kind of things. But um, uh, that's one jockeying that's going on. I uh, got an article here. Maybe we can, we got a weather break coming up here in a minute, but we've talked about the quote unquote deep state. Um, maybe we can get some comments on you since you rubbed elbows with it while you were there low those many years. Yeah. Uh, Kimberly Strassel um, has noted that, uh, you know, what you ought to do is arrest the government. This is an article. You may have seen it in the journal of, in, on the Friday, last Friday. The, um, what she wants is, um, and I don't know if we can make it happen, but going after the unelected bureaucracy. Right. And that's something I'd like to talk with you about with the uh, students here, which would include, of course, dismantling the education department um, and going after those people buried in the FBI and the Internal Revenue Service and the Department of Justice um, and fire, frankly, a good portion of them. Uh, and I, I, I keep hearing that, but I just, I just, I think that's and that, that's going to be the rhetoric that people are going to talk about. And we all agree that it needs to go away, but it's very complicated. Uh, that was something we we worked on diligently <clears throat> to go after the administrative state. And there's um, a lot of boring but great books on how the administrative state came to be. There's a, a easy read that kind of outlines it, what happened in um, uh, the UK and then the EU with the, the administrative state. And it's a book called The New Road to Serfdom by Daryl Hannah, I think his name is. And he's a member of the British Parliament. Congress has allowed their power to be given to these administrative states, and they did it voluntarily. Um, and they, they became precedent through uh, Supreme Court rulings. And there's two cases that did that, but it can be on, it can be backed up. And it's going to take, again, a, a majority in both houses that a leader, you know, the president or the speaker of the house and the speaker of the Senate says, these mm -hmm. are the things we're going to, we're going to triage of what we need to do to get America back on, on, on track to get rid of the deep state. And that's part of it is the bureaucracy in the agencies, um, you know, the agencies like Department of Labor, Department of Education, the USDA and all those. But then you need to look at the intelligence community. And, um, you know, there is no accountability of mon money going into the intelligence community. They get billions and billions and billions of dollars, but there is no uh, uh, record of where that money was spent. And when you have that kind of money, there's nefarious things that go on. And then you get somebody like a Trump that scares them to death because he is the outsider. He hasn't been vetted by them thoroughly. And so that's why you got the investigations. And then we need to start holding the people accountable. And this is something politicians always say. We want transparency and accountability, but there never is. And if you look at the FISA warrants that happened with Trump, in the very beginning of the Russian collusion. And again, I've said this on your show before, I'm not a lawyer, but after reading the intelligence briefing, I could see how they made a mistake on the first one. There was four, uh, four or five FISA warrants issued. Uh, by the time they issued the second one, they knew that it was all BS. And so those people should be in jail today. 
Uh, you look at what Hunter Biden has done, and then I'm getting off track here. What Hunter Biden has done, you or I or any any person, had we done what he did, we would be in jail. And, um, you know, I think the Biden administration is, well, well, we'll let Hunter take a hit. He's going to admit guilty, but there'll be no jail time. And, um, you know, they're hoping the laptop thing and all the China collusion uh, would go away. And, um, you know, I think there needs to be that kind of in-depth change in our federal uh, government. And you know what? It all It's kind of like the Ten Commandments. If we followed the Ten Commandments, life would be probably pretty good. If we followed the Constitution, the way it was set up, life wouldn't be this complicated in America. You wouldn't have these big government agencies because most of them aren't um, authorized or approved or allowed to be set up by the, the Constitution. You know, Department of Education is a perfect example. Well, and Ted Yoho will come up on our bottom of the hour break. By the way, just to inform everybody, there is a pretty severe rumbling on the heavens outside the compound here. And should we, for example, lose power, we do have a backup generator. But if we lose the Internet, it'll take time to book back up. So let me make this deal with you. If we go down here at the Warthog Command Center, we'll keep Ted on. And Ted will just run the show until we can get rebooked. I think production can do that. And um, uh, production will inform me with that possible. I don't think we'll lose it. But you never know. I mean, these are uh, pretty big. That would work, production? Production said it'll work. It'll work. Okay, good. Let's just have that as a backup plan. Fortunately, we got our co-host here today, and uh, he's high and dry there in the, in the mountains in Georgia, and we're down here in the soggy pine country uh, with a lot of rumbling going on outside right now, which we may be. You have some bad weather coming your way. <laughs> yeah, we got some bad weather coming our way. We're going to take a break right now for the Ward Scott Files. We'll be right back with the weather in a moment. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Alright, welcome back to Ward Scott Files with Professor Ward Scott here and our U.S. representative forever for us, Ted Yoho. Um, we got storm roaming out here, but I'm looking at the uh, prediction for Brett's eye path, and it looks like we're going to be okay here. Uh, it's scheduled probably to go across and uh, across the uh, um, peninsula down around uh, Costa Rica in that area, Central America, uh, about Monday morning. So we're going to dodge this one. Uh, that doesn't mean we're not getting some pretty good red cell storms now coming down out of the northwest um, across Florida. And we have had flood warnings here, and we got a lot of uh, flooding um, as the rivers are coming up. And uh, somebody reported to me, Ted, that we have got water actually now in the bottom of Devil's Millhawk. Oh, really? Yeah. And so that's pretty interesting. If you don't know sure. about that and you're not from these parts, it's a huge sinkhole uh, here uh, along uh, the San Velasco hammock. It yeah. generally is dry. You can go down into on stairs, but now it has water in the bottom of it. Well, you look at Lake Alice, too. <laughs> or not Lake Alice, like Payne's Prairie. Yep. You know, so that I'm used looking, like Payne or Payne's Lake. Looking now at the chat line, if you have a question for us to talk about, along with Ted Yoho, we've been talking about Cuba. We've been talking about the lack of order and will <clears throat> in Congress, which seems to have gotten worse, uh, not better, uh, really. Um, it's, it's um, I don't know where, where there's, Maybe somebody out there in listener land can direct me and Ted as to what you see that we might not see. <clears throat> I think most of us uh, just see a dearth of, of, of leadership, really, uh, being at the bottom of all this. And leaders, so-called leaders, reduced to, if you will, sound bites. Is that the proper way to say it, Ted? I think that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, and I'm sure you get the same feeds I do or, you know, similar um, I saw one yesterday, I think it was, well, Jim Jordan was threatening, threatening, you know, um, let that scare you, threatening to subpoena the White House on some information. He was threatening to subpoena the FBI. Um, and those are blind threats. They know they don't, you know, you can drag it out for two years. You have an election and uh, you get a new Congress. And the way it works in D.C. is when the new Congress starts in January, They'll have their agenda. You elect the speaker. You do what we went through with the debt ceiling vote. Uh, if they fix that problem, you wouldn't waste all that time doing the debt ceiling vote. And mm -hmm. then you go into the summer recess, 
And then you come back and then you've got to fund the government by the end of September. So there'll be that mess again. And then they'll come out with a terrible omnibus that increases spending. And all these savings you thought you had in the budget deal are wiped away in the omnibus because nobody wants to shut down the government. And um, then you're into the holidays. And when they come back at the first of the year in the second year of the Congress, everything is focused on the next campaign. And so, you know, Jim Jordan, I like Jim, but you're threatening to do a subpoena uh, to the White House or to the FBI. Why threaten? Just do it. You know, get the results and let's get it done in this Congress because you're not going to be able to carry it over unless you maintain the majority. And uh, the way they've been leading, I don't know if they will. Well, the other thing that's uh, going around the table, if you will, is what appears to be pretty clearly a two-tiered system of justice. Oh, yeah, no doubt. May get your thoughts on that, because it certainly appears to be that way. Well, again, if you just contrast, um, I mean, you can take any case. I mean, contrast Trump versus Biden. Um, contrast the election results of Trump versus Biden. You know, there was Russia collusion on the Biden side, according to the Democrats, after three and a half, and it's still going on uh, um, that there was no collusion. Uh, It was proven that Schiff lied, and the House had the opportunity to censure Schiff, Adam Schiff, and there was not enough Republicans to do it. Um, that, That, therein lies your problem. You have Republicans that have the ability to go after somebody that lied to Congress uh, and directed the lies, and they don't go after it. And so you look at Hunter Biden, and as you and I talked, had you or I done what he had done, we would be in jail. Um, You know, I know there's some national security risk. You can't throw Hunter Biden into a a minimum or maximum security place um, because he's the president's son. But you know, to get off scot-free, um, it's just not right. I mean, it, it's not right. I saw somebody that was in jail said, I did the same thing he did, and I got three years in prison. He got off free. Um, and it was it was a black guy in prison, and Hunter Biden's a white guy. Um, you know, so there is an injustice. There is a two-tier. If you look at the, um, the classified documents that, um, you know, they're charging Trump with, Biden has gotten more and has had them a lot longer, but that's different because we're in charge. And so we don't need to look at this. And if you go back to the Clintons, uh, have any of us done what Hillary Clinton did to her um, lap or her uh, server that had the 33,000 emails on there that were classified, we would be in jail, but Hillary Clinton isn't. So yeah, we have a two tiered system and, um, you know, those are the things that really Congress should be working on, not to have so many hearings on them, but to put in the legislation to change it or to sue the administration or sue the government from a congressional standpoint and have these things go up to the Supreme Court. It says, no, you will not uh, enforce the law this way for this person and this way for another person. It's, it's unconstitutional. But You know, I the did, only place they do that, which I think hearing what you're talking about really serves as a distraction is if the race car is played. They have a two-tiered system for that. Um, yeah. If you, if you think about it. You yeah. Know, on some, I'll have to agree with that. But if, if you go just to the January 6th 
what they want to call the insurrection was just a protest. Compare that to the Antifa, uh, the mobs that went out and did the destruction, killed people, and that was just that was just uh, protesting. And you remember some of those mayors said, "Just let them burn it down. It, it lets off steam and anger from those people." But by God, you go to the White House or to the Capitol, you're an insurrectionist, and you need to be thrown in jail. You try to overthrow the government. So there is a two-tiered system. And, and again, if you get people in Washington that focus on what they're supposed to do um, and adhere to the, the basics, the Constitution, I think a lot of this would go away. But that's going to be a process, and it's not going to happen overnight. And you look at the next generation growing up, are they the ones that are going to be able to do this? I don't know. Uh, I had a question here from a buddy who's all about the budget, uh, rightfully so. A question regarding the burgeoning $32 trillion national debt. At what point does our money become completely devalued and its value reduced to pennies on the dollar, if that? It already has. Already I mean, has? Yeah. I mean, look at the cost of things today compared to five years ago. You know, a big portion of that is the monetary easing, quantitative easing. And I think that's 80% of the money in circulation today is new money that wasn't there five years ago. Um, and so if the government prints new money, say a billion dollars, and puts it into the, um, um, into, the, uh, into the circulation, it'd be like taking, um, you know, It'd be like taking a glass of coffee, a cup of coffee, and it's regular strength, and you just start dumping water into it. Every time you do that, it becomes weaker and weaker in concentration, and that's what happens to our money. And so our money is devalued. First home I bought was in 1980. It was on a three-bedroom, two-bath with a, a garage on 1.67 acres. It cost me $45,000. Try to buy a house like that today. It's it's the, the money has been devalued so much that everything had to go up in price. Uh, you look at a car today compared to 20 years ago. And a big portion of that is the devaluation of the dollar. Um, and so we're seeing it. It's just that when you're in it, it's like the frog being boiled slowly and the water gets up to boiling. He doesn't know it. He gets cooked either way, whether you throw him in the bucket of hot water or, you turn up the heat slowly. We're the frog that's in the pot being turned up slowly. And the money's being devalued every day that they, they play around with this. And, uh, and they don't fix the underlying problem. And the, to me, national security is the number one issue. On that list of things to prevent that or make that stronger is our getting our money under control and get a dollar back worth, worth a dollar and then deal with China and the things going on there. And then the list kind of grows from there. And we have a question, you know, what about the digital dollar? I have to confess, I know nothing about <clears throat> digital money. So <clears throat> I'll defer to anybody. Depends huh? on who controls it. If the federal government or the reserve controls it, I don't want it because they can turn it on and off. Just like, you know, your credit card, you know, if they um, <laughs> move the, uh, with Gene Hackman and Will Smith, uh, Enemy of the State, I think is a good example of what's to come. And and they do this in China and other authoritarian governments where they have the CCT cameras, uh, closed-circuit television cameras, <clears throat> where they can monitor every movement you do. 
and of course, our government does that now through your credit cards, your phone statements, where your car drives, uh, the movies you watch. Um, they're doing that now. They just don't have the enforcement mechanisms or they haven't utilized that to where they said, Ward, <coughs> um, you're getting too many haircuts or you're doing too many things this way. And we don't approve of that. And it's going to be tied into your insurance. Co- um, good example. I got a friend of mine. She submitted to have a monitor in her car that monitored how fast she drives, you know, her driving habits. And by doing that, it reduced her her insurance premiums, I think, 20 or 30 percent. So she voluntarily submitted to that for a reduced price. Now, if she speeds and things go up, you know, the, her insurance will go up. And so these are kind of technologies that are out there. Our government has the capability. They just haven't done what China has done. And uh, when you hear Joe Biden and some of these other people saying, or the people that are in their economic policy saying, we should follow what China is doing in their uh, state-controlled enterprises. That means the government controls your enterprises like energy, (laughs) uh, uh, auto uh, production, manufacturing, and stuff like that. Well, just a small example I'm aware of is PayPal. Um, I have a PayPal button on this website, which I really have thought about taking down because uh, the government tracks all that and has ordered the bank to squeal, in effect, when every dollar goes into the account through PayPal. And I think the threshold is if you get 600, you got to, as the bank, tell the government. Well, you remember how when that came out, if you had a transaction higher than $600, it had to be reported. And then they said it went away, but it didn't go away. It's still there, um, you know, because there's so much blowback. But you talk about PayPal or these GoFundMe pages. When you have corporations that start weighing in on social issues, they have they have the ability to shut you down. And to cut off, you know, your program right now, and you've seen it with uh, Facebook and all these other platforms, um, Twitter that you're on, where they've taken your program off because they didn't like what you said because of that five-letter word that you can't say anymore, the bleep word. Beep, yeah. 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 So that capability is out there. Now, if you look at, and I think I talked to you about this last week, the sound bite, the montage of all the people that were on the left, the Rachel Maddow's, all the people, politicians saying, if you did not get the jab, if you did not get vaccinated, you're the ones that are spreading COVID. You know, the the, the vaccine is 100% effective. You will not die if you get the vaccine. And of course, we know that's all a bunch of BS. But put those people in charge. If they don't like something you're doing, they can be in control and cut that off. And I think that's something all Americans need to worry about. You know, and if we get back to the, what the government's supposed to do, and you know what, Ward, a lot of this comes back to us. Personal responsibility. Live a virtuous life the best you can. You know, treat people the way you're supposed to treat them. And if we do that, um, I think life would be a lot better. I think we're all in agreement with that. And our founders said, you can't have a, a constitutional republic. You can't have a republic without a virtuous, moral people. And I look around, and I know there's a lot of virtual and moral people, but I sure see a lot of things that aren't right. And I think we're just going through the telltale signs of when you 
get those when you lose those values over here, you get these things showing up over here, you know, telling you right's wrong and wrong's right. You know, that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> correct. I tell, you, I tell you, I heard a story a, a couple of days ago from a doctor, older doctor who no longer is working in the hospital world, has his own kind of, office, if you will. It's hard to do that, he said. But he told me that during COVID, if you wanted to have hospital privileges, you had to have the COVID vaccine. And if you didn't, nurse, doctor, whatever, you wouldn't work at that hospital corporation. Right, right. There's an example of corporate and government Working in cahoots with each other, I sure, and you know that that was the way it was. You just didn't, you didn't work. I mean, I think we saw a good example of when you give, when you cede, or control is taking from you to the higher entities, government, corporations, insurance companies, whatever it is. Um, how limited freedoms you you have, and that's why this fight is so important. And to have the liberties and freedoms we have, there there has to be the responsibility on the other side. And that's the things that we should really be teaching. And you've talked about it often, the community. You know, when you were growing up, everybody knew what you were doing, good or bad, and they held you accountable. We don't have that. And, you know, it, it, it's we're going to go through some rough times ahead, unfortunately. But I still think this is the best country on the planet. And it was... Uh, um, <laughs> It was uh, graced by our creator to set it up and give our founding fathers the wisdom to set it up the way they did. I'm with Ted Yoho. We've got about 10 minutes left here. And Ted's in the mountains in Georgia. And I'm here uh, in the middle of rumbling uh, heavens, if you will. Um, there you go. Rumbling heavens. And <clears throat> in one, I suppose. And uh, we, uh, are, I'm looking at the chat line to see what's on your mind. Uh, we have covered uh, a lot of stuff here and foreign affairs and, and uh, of course, debt. Um, you know, one other thing that's happening is making, I suppose, a difference is these big Democrat-run cities are falling apart. Oh, man, big time. Yeah. And uh, Gavin Newsom is going to get into the race um, to challenge Biden and you look at his state and how bad it is. Do you want that guy running the United States of America? And I think that brings up a segue, if, you, if, if you'd allow me. <clears throat> when you look at the presidential candidates, you know, on, on the Republican side, we've got a, a plethora of them, and it's probably going to grow by one or two more. And then you look at the Democrat side. When you look at that, who's the best one to lead us out of that? Who's the best one that's going to serve America the best? Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, Trump, we like what he did. And I think we're all in agreement. Most of the things we liked, we did that he did. We like, but there was the circus side of him that nobody likes. And, um, if he were to be the presidential nomination on the Republican side and he got elected, how long before the left, in fact, it would never stop. They'll find new charges to go after him. No, you know, just all kinds of stuff they're going to throw at him. That's going to detract from his ability to lead this nation. And so the question comes up, if he's there, 
can he dedicate 100% of his time to serving this nation? And, you know, America deserves that, and we deserve better than what we've gotten in the back and in the past. And so I look at these people, and I'm like, I'm not convinced any of them are the right people yet. I'm going to let them go through the process and see. Well, they'll certainly, even if he were to become the president, they wouldn't stop chasing him. No. They wouldn't no, stop proven. Um, he's not the president, and they haven't stopped chasing him. So <clears throat> I think it would be foolish to think they would stop once he became president again. And then wow. you have to ask yourself, is that really what we need in America at this time when everything else is falling apart? I got China 90 miles off our, our uh, off the coast of Florida partnering up with communist Cuba and doing military training down there. It won't be long before they're doing military training exercises with Iran and Russia in the Gulf of Mexico or in the Atlantic Ocean, not far from our shores. You know, mark my words on that. That's what's coming. Wow. That'd be unprecedented. I'm harking back to, the, be. to the days be. of Mar- Mar- yeah, Martin Marietta. Um, yeah. Wow. And so we need to look who is going to turn this country around and who's going to unite the country. We can't go down and, you know, again, Trump, he did some great things, but there was probably more of a divide came out of that than the media and corporations helped that divide um, along with foreign governments. And we need to become the United States of America. We need to become a united country, not Republican, Democrat, white, black, conservative, liberal. We need to become Americans. And it's those ideologies and the ideals that have formed this country that we we should all embrace. <clears throat> We've seen it a few times. We saw it under John Kennedy with Moon, the space program, and unfortunately after 9-11. Uh, but 9-11 was a short uh, unification of America. We all came together. You know, how dare they attack us? We're Americans. But then it started to go away, and the blame game started, uh, you know, the media. And I remember uh, Obama had in there the, uh, the ban on certain Muslim countries, media doesn't say anything about that. Trump carries the same band on the same countries for the same reason. And all of a sudden he's racist. He's um, uh, Islamophobic. And, you know, it's just the media is a big problem in this country. You know, if you're on the left, you like it because you're getting your agenda pushed through. If you're on the right, you hate it because they're attacking you for the very things the Democrats did that they didn't say a word about. And that, again, that's the double standard. And we need to change yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, we need to change it, you know, and I think programs like yours is a way to change it. Other podcasts where you're not out there, you know, by a corporate um, a corporate board telling you what you can and can't say. You know, it's interesting when President Trump called me, we had a private conversation. He goes, when did Fox change? And I said, well, Paul Ryan got on their board. And I said, it changed pretty quickly. And he goes, you know what? Exactly when that happened. You know, you get people like Paul Ryan in the backgrounds, you know, controlling the news narrative and you get the garbage we get out. And um, that's why I admire you for being on as long as you have and on 37 different platforms. We just need to have Ward on more platforms and more Ward Scott's. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm telling you, well, somebody's going to have to take over one of these days because I'm um, I'm not yet on happy trails, to, you know, to you. But uh, start thinking <laughs> about it and start thinking about it. And and then uh, the show keeps me coming back. I I uh, I do believe there is a positive um, 
influence, if you will, people better informed. <clears throat> um, try to keep them informed because I sure don't trust the pop. I sit and watch the news programs and I shake my head. I say, my God, that's not the news. I mean, is that what they're pushing across to the public as the news, you know? Or yeah. is that the version they're pushing across to the public as the news? You got to be kidding me, you know? I don't watch it, but we have it on the other morning and I, it was Rand Paul was on there still going after Fauci and the Wuhan virus in China. <clears throat> it's like, how long are you going to spend down that rabbit hole? We know where it came from. It's what are we going to do to prevent that? What are we doing, you know, to harden our um, our uh, borders and reserves and, you know, the security blanket around America to keep that garbage out of here? And um, <laughs> so I don't watch the news a whole lot. I do a lot of reading. Yeah, I can't watch that news much either. It's uh, And if I'm in a room with somebody who doesn't know any better, they'll ask me why I'm groaning. You know, <laughs> and I say, buddy, if you knew what I knew, you'd be sticking your head under the covers. I mean, it uh, it's not even close to what's going on, you know. And uh, uh, but we have to look at the positive. We will get out of this. This too shall pass. And yeah, back to its its prominence of representing those ideals and standing by those uh, without meddling in other countries. Well, that's a pretty good note to end on. We're about. Uh, two minutes away from 10 o'clock. So uh, really appreciate chatting with you again today. And I hope all you all who've been listening and watching us uh, appreciate it as well. We appreciate the comments in the chat line and uh, keep those cards and letters coming in. And your, uh, your sponsors. I mean, that's great. You, you're growing in sponsors. and uh, Yeah, yeah, it's tough to get sponsors because they're so scared of being canceled, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they, so you got, if we got sponsors here, they are tough loyal sponsors and that's why i say patronize them because they darn sure they darn sure stand up under the withering uh, attack from the left you know uh, <laughs> it's not for the weak of heart okay <laughs> so true it is well have a great time up there in georgia hope to see you in a week and uh you know no telling where you'll be here could I'll be, be in, in one with you in florida i'll You're be back in florida okay yeah. real command there <laughs> yeah Thanks a lot, Ted, and thanks a lot for my sponsors and donors and production for a good show. We'll talk to you later. Warthog Command Center out. Y'all take care.